Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. That's promo code BSN2018 to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast, Monday edition of the program today. We are presented by Total Beverage, of course. Right now at Total Beverage, for a limited time, they have an exclusive deal going on for BSN listeners. You can get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. Again, by using the promo code BSN10, you can save $10 off a $50 purchase or more for all your holiday parties and have it delivered right to your door. Yes, that's right. Total Beverage makes it super convenient. So you can have all your liquor, wine, beer, spirits delivered to your door, to your apartment, to your house, to your office, wherever you are in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. So make sure you check those guys out at Total Beverage. Harrison Wint here recording Sunday night. Like I said, this will be our Monday edition of the show. That's when most of you guys will hear it. Christian Clark is not with me this evening, so this will be a solo edition of the show. Got a lot for you tonight. It was a busy weekend in Denver Nuggets land for sure. Nuggets take down the Rockets, 136-122 on Friday night at Pepsi Center. What a game that was. And then they go on the road to beat the Timberwolves, 107-106 in Minnesota on Saturday, 24 hours after that win over Houston. And of course, Michael Malone is in the All-Star game. I'll get to that one a little later. I've got a lot to say about that game. But first, I'm recording here Sunday night after the Super Bowl. And I know a lot of you guys were getting at me on Twitter. My texts were lighting up all night. When are we going to get another BSN Nuggets podcast? I guess you guys were bored by the Super Bowl, as was I. So, Decide to get back on the mic here on Sunday night and lay down some Nuggets talk for you guys. Let's start with that game against Houston going back to Friday night. Man, I've seen a lot of games at Pepsi Center over the last three plus years. I've seen every home game at Pepsi Center over the last three years and, of course, through 51 games this season. There aren't many that I can recall that have been as exciting, as thrilling, as gut-wrenching as this game was against Houston. I had a good feeling about this game. 
And I don't think Denver should get too carried away with this win. It was an emotional win. It was a big win, and I'll explain why. But Houston was missing Clint Capella in this game. The Nuggets were without some of their key guys, obviously, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. So Denver can put a lot of stock into this game. It's, it's great to get over the mental hump, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. It's great to finally beat the Rockets, who they had lost to nine straight games. But I don't think this game should be looked at in the light of, oh, the Nuggets finally beat the Rockets. We're not afraid of Houston if we get matched up with them in the playoffs. I'd still be very worried about a series against the Houston Rockets if they are healthy. So this was a big win, no doubt. But still, the Capella injury, Chris Paul getting back into game shape. He had a great game. And the Nuggets injuries, those should be noted as well. But, I mean, what a game this was. <laughs> what a game this was. I mean, the 43-point first quarter by Houston. The 48-point second quarter by Denver. I was so exhausted at the end of this game. This was like day three of Coachella. This is like day three of Lollapalooza. That's how exhausted I was at the end of this game. I can only imagine how Michael Malone, who coached in it, how Malik Beasley, who played 41 minutes, how Torrey Craig played 34 minutes, shadowing James Harden the whole night, how Nicole Jokic, how Monte Morris, who played 37 unbelievable minutes, felt at the end of this one. I mean, I was exhausted. I'm sure you guys were exhausted too watching it, especially that second quarter. I don't know how many quarters Denver has played better than that second quarter this season when they put up those 48 points and outscored Houston 48 to 28 in the second quarter. But I do think the biggest thing to come out of this game is the mental hurdle that Denver got over with this one. The Nuggets had lost nine straight to the Rockets. That's a lot of games. That's going back to Michael Malone's first year on the job when they did beat Houston. Everybody remembers the first game of Michael Malone's tenor. Emmanuel Moutier goes off in Houston in his first career game. Denver beats the Rockets on their home court in Houston. We all remember that game, of course. I mean, that's kind of how long it's been since the Nuggets had beaten the Rockets. So to get that monkey off their back was a huge deal, no doubt, just mentally. And I asked a lot of guys this in the locker room, and I don't think anybody thought, oh, man, we could never beat Houston. You know, If we match up with these guys in the playoffs in the regular season, there's just no way we could beat them. But, I mean, when you lose nine times in a row to a team, there's a little bit of a mental hurdle that's going to set in. So I think for Denver to get over that was huge. And you got the feeling the Nuggets wanted this one bad. I felt it at the beginning of the first quarter with how they came out. I know they gave up a ton of points in the first quarter. I know they gave up 43 points in the first quarter, but they're only down by eight after one. Thought offensively, they were playing confidently. They knew what they wanted to do. It was a little odd how they were defending James Harden. I thought a lot of switching onto him on the perimeter, not really how they defended him in their last matchup. But Mike Malone said this pregame, he said a postgame, they've defended James Harden really better than any team in the league just from a pure numbers standpoint, limiting him individually. And Harden didn't have a great night. He was 7-14 from 3, but 30 points on 9-21 shooting. You take that if you're a defense going against James Harden. But going back to what I just said, it felt like the Nuggets really wanted this one. From what I heard, the Nuggets got back into town early Thursday morning off that two-game road trip in Memphis, in New Orleans, they probably got back to Denver, you know, around 1 a.m. from New Orleans late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Michael Malone and his staff were back at the office at 6 a.m. prepping for Houston. They wanted this one bad. They wanted to end 
that nine-game losing streak they had to these Rockets badly. They wanted their team to get over that mental hump, and that's definitely what they did. So Denver was committed to this game. They wanted this one badly, and you know they got it. They recognized that with Capella out, with Kenneth Freed and P.J. Tucker as the primary matchups on Nicole Jokic, they could get this one, and they featured Jokic all night long just like they should have. And Jokic, I mean, had an unbelievable game. That's the next thing I want to get to. 31 points for Jokic on 12 of 15 shooting. 6 of 6 from the line, 1 of 2 from 3, 13 rebounds, 9 assists. We don't even bat an eye at those numbers. Historic numbers for Nikola Jokic, and we don't even raise an eyebrow because that's just what we expect from him. And this is going back to how he elevated his play when Denver was without 3 of 5 starters for the two, three-week span earlier on this season. He elevated his play then. I really felt like he did, and it stayed at that level. He's having an unbelievable season. I think he should be in the argument for the Most Valuable Player Award, and you guys know I've said that before, and I'm still holding to that. If Nikola Jokic was in L.A. right now on the Lakers, if Nikola Jokic was in New York on the Knicks right now, he would be the odds-on favorite for most valuable player. Mark my words. But he's in Denver, and even though the Nuggets are number one in the Western Conference, he's not going to be in that discussion. You know, that's fine, but the numbers he's putting up, the impact he's had on winning, how he makes everybody around him better, how he's been the best player all year long. He hasn't missed a game. He's playing a ton of minutes. He's just had this unbelievable season for a team who I think arguably has been the best team in the league from game one through game 51, where the Nuggets are at right now. I think the Nuggets have a case as just the best team this season in the aggregate. And he's been the one constant, you know, as Gary Harris has been in and out of the lineup all year, as Paul Millsap has had a couple injuries, as Jamal Murray has now missed five straight games with an ankle injury as I'm recording this here on Sunday. Jokic has been the one constant, you know? And he got the all-star bid, which is awesome. Very deserving. I thought he should have been a starter. He should be all-NBA first team for a center right now. Anthony Davis, he doesn't play center. And he kind of just threw his whole organization under the bus asking for a trade. He does not deserve an all-NBA first team selection. His numbers are great, but... No, he doesn't produce winning basketball. Joel Embiid, Nicole Jokic is having a better year than Joel Embiid any way you cut it right now. He should be all NBA first team at center. So the all-star nod was great, but we've still got to hand it to him. We've still got to give him a bit more for the season he's having right now. It's historic. It's unbelievable. He goes for 31-13-9, and we don't even raise an eyebrow. We barely talk about it because of the contributions against Houston from Malik Beasley and Monte Morris and whatnot. But I loved how Denver went to Jokic early and often. They knew that there was no way Fareed or P.J. Tucker would guard him. The power Nikola Jokic is using on his post-ups right now, it's pretty unbelievable. It's a facet to his game. I don't think we've seen like him go to exclusively in the past, but this year, more than the last couple years, he's just using his power game. I mean... Nikola Jokic is a big dude. You look at him when he was a rookie. You look at him back in Europe. I mean, this guy has put on some body mass, right? This guy has put on some weight. And he is strong, man. He bulldozed P.J. Tucker in the post a couple times. He bulldozed Kenneth Freed, of course. Now, those aren't small guys by any means. Those are strong guys, too. So Jokic really just 
had his way with those guys. And the power game that he's showing in the post right now is so impressive. I don't know if there's anybody that can really stop him there just from a pure power standpoint. You know, Marcus Gasol, DeMarcus Cousins, those are the guys that you would think might have a shot against him if he's just backing somebody down the post. But going back to that Memphis game last Monday, he had his way with Marcus Gasol as well. So I'm not sure who can stop him on the block right now. And then the contributions that Denver got elsewhere on the roster from, I felt like, three guys specifically. Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, and Torrey Craig. I'm going to start with Torrey Craig off the bench here. What a game from Torrey Craig. I think this was possibly the best game of his career. 22 points, 8 of 11 shooting, 2 of 4 from 3, 4 rebounds, 2 offensive rebounds. He was a plus 20 in 34 minutes in a 14-point win. He defended James Harden, I thought, very well. And people have knocked Torrey Craig for his defense. I've knocked him at times for his defense. I felt like over the last maybe month or so, he's taken a little bit of a step back. But he was on it this game against the Rockets. He's a very detailed studier. I've talked to Torrey about this. I've written about this. But he will prep for every opponent the night before. Michael Malone's had a lot of interesting quotes this year. I've thought about how some guys, he wouldn't name any names, of course, but some guys don't do a good job of reading the scouting report. Some guys don't follow the tendencies that Denver's coaching staff outlines for them in their pregame scouting report and whatnot. But you know Torrey Craig is a guy who's always going to be watching film the night before. He's going to log on to his iPad on his phone. There's an app that the Nuggets have called Just Play, which is an app on the App Store that teams use. A lot of teams use in the league. A lot of football teams, a lot of soccer teams use it as well. It's pretty much a catalog, a scattering report of an upcoming opponent with notes and, more importantly, video that's cataloged. And Tor uses it. Really, everybody on this team uses it. And you know, he's looking at film of an opponent the night before a game always. And I got to imagine he was doing that against James Harden. And it showed. I thought he played James Harden really well. This was probably the best that any single guy in the Nuggets has defended James Harden this year. The dunks Torrey had, the threes he had, I thought was huge. And what you love about Torrey Craig, this has been, of course, a constant all year and even going back to last year. Some guys will gripe about playing time throughout the entire league. Some guys will gripe about role and how many shots they get. Torrey Craig, he's going to play the same way if he's playing 35 minutes and shadowing James Harden all game as a starter, or if he plays five minutes off the bench. He's going to come with the same tenacity, the same hustle, the same aggressiveness every night, the same mentality no matter what his role is. If he's playing 35 minutes or five minutes, he's always going to bring it the same, and that's what you love about Torrey Craig. So I thought he had a huge game, of course. And then the other two guys, Denver's starting backcourt here for these last couple of games with Murray and Gary Harris out. Malik Beasley and Monte Morris. I want to ask Utah Jazz fans a question here. What was the bigger snub? Was it Rudy Gobert not getting into the All-Star game? Or was it Monte Morris not getting into the Rising Stars Challenge? I know Rudy Gobert should have been in the All-Star game, But how was Monte Morris not in the Rising Stars Challenge over Lonzo Ball? And from what I'm hearing, there's a really good chance Monte Morris actually gets into that game. 
it's up to the league. But from what I've been told, the Nuggets think there's a good chance Monte Morris gets in this game to replace Lonzo Ball. I mean, he's been unbelievable. He has a good case, I think, for some six-man-of-the-year consideration. 37 minutes, 7 of 11 shooting, 3 of 6 from 3, 6 rebounds, 8 assists per game. And here's a stat for you. Coming into this season, we were a bit worried about Monte Morris's jumper. Could he be relied upon to knock down in the mid-30s from three, in the mid to upper threes? Could he hit three-pointers at that rate? Because he had struggled with his jumper a little last year. And by now, you know the story of how much work he put in over the summer, how he held a gum wrapper between his left thumb and index finger to get his guide hand a little removed from his shot and have a cleaner release. And he's shooting 44.5% from three this year. On the season, he's the third best shooter in the league on catch-and-shoot jumpers of guys, of course, who have taken a significant amount of attempts, at least 100 catch-and-shoot threes this year. Since November 1st, and I chose that date to drill down here because he got off to a little cold of a start like a lot of guys did on the Nuggets roster. Since November 1st, he's shooting 49% on catch-and-shoot threes. It's the best mark in the league. It goes Monte Morris... Davis Bertans, Buddy Heald, Malcolm Brogdon, Kyle Korver, and next on that list is none other than Malik Beasley. But Monte Morris, since November 1st, is leading the league in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage. This guy has a laser right now from beyond the arc. So accurate. Every time he shoots it, I think it's going in as long as he's got a little bit of airspace. He's shooting the ball confidently. From floater range around the basket, he's almost equally as impressive right now. Monte Morris is shooting around 58% from the restricted area this season. And now since December 1st, he's shooting 63% in the restricted area. He's shooting 52% in the paint, non-restricted area. All those floaters, all those high arcing layups off the top of the glass, just over the outstretched arms of an opponent. Monte's hitting all of those. So again, shooting 63% in the restricted area since December 1st, 52% in the paint, non-restricted area. And on the year, he's shooting around 58% in the restricted area. For comparison's sake, Nikola Jokic is shooting 66% in the restricted area. So uh, Monte Morris, Nikola Jokic, both around 60% this year in the restricted area. Uh, a pretty unbelievable stuff for Monte, who is not the tallest guy in the world. I'd say he's six one and a half, six two. I know he's listed at 6'3". He doesn't look quite that tall. Super skinny. He's listed at 175. He's probably a little lighter than that, but when he gets into the lane, he's making the defense pay. His impressive year really continued in a big way against the Rockets. And the last guy I really wanted to drill down on was of course, Malik Beasley goes for a career-high 35 points against Houston. 12 of 17 shooting, 5 of 9 from 3. Just some unbelievable dunks in this one. And I know a lot of you guys are asking, will he get invited to the dunk contest? Uh, not this year. And it's funny, Malik actually told me that he would rather be in the dunk contest next year. This year, he wants to focus on the playoffs. He wants to focus on getting his body right over the All-Star break. So look for him to potentially try to get into the dunk contest next year. But I asked him after the game... If he could dunk from the free throw line, he said he can. Not necessarily with a windmill by any means, but he said he can dunk 
from the free throw line. I thought in the second quarter, one of his dunks, he almost took off from the free throw line. It ended up being a step inside there, but uh, an unbelievable athlete. And his three-point shot right now is out of this world. If he gets a sliver of airspace, if he has a split second to get his feet set under him, he's knocking that shot down. There's a couple crazy stats going on with Malik Beasley right now, but how he's been scoring the ball, I feel like that's the biggest story around his game right now. I mean, I tweeted this stat out last night in the midst of that Timberwolves game, but Malik Beasley, over his last 123 minutes on the floor, has scored 97 points. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Over these last four games, he had 18 in Memphis on 7 of 13 shooting, he had 22 in New Orleans on 9 of 14 shooting, 35, of course, the career high in Houston on 12 of 17 shooting, and then follows that up 24 hours later, going for 22 points on 9 of 14 shooting. He's shooting 50% from three over his last five games. If you look at what he did in the month of January, 46% shooting from three on six attempts per game. And Michael Malone told Malik Beasley after last season ended, Malik, this is a make or miss league. You've got to become a better shooter from three. What you did last year in your spot minutes, the low 30s you shot from three, that's not going to cut it moving forward. So what did Malik Beasley do? He got with his trainer, Mark Campbell, who I spoke to for the feature I wrote on Beasley earlier in January, going back to last month. And they got in the gym and flat out worked. No Instagram videos. They kept it off of social media, but they put in the work and the proof is in the pudding. He's a different shooter this year. He's not missing left or right. He's missing short or long. When he does miss short or long, he tells himself that was a good miss. He doesn't count those as misses. When he misses left to right, he knows something was off. He's a confident shooter right now. The pre-shot work he does with his footwork, getting his feet under him and square to the basket getting his body around when he's coming off a screen or you know, coming off an elevator's action through screens or picks or whatnot. It's just so impressive how his footwork and body control is all there right now. And I'm scared to put a ceiling on this guy right now because he can still get a lot better. He's only 22. Malik Beasley, he's not going to hit the cutoff criteria to get qualified for the 50-40-90 club this year. I believe you got to hit 150 free throws to be qualified for the 50-40-90 club, and he's only at like 30-something this entire year, so he's not going to get to that threshold. But if he did, if he was able to make 150 free throws and raise his average from the 87% it is right now to the 90s, he'd be the youngest member ever of the 50-40-90 90 club. He's shooting over 50% from the field right now, well over 40% from three, and he's just under 90 from the line. If he did hit all those criteria, he would be the youngest player ever in the 50-40-90 club. The second youngest player ever, Nuggets assistant coach Mark Price. So those are kind of my big takeaways from the win over the Rockets. Denver getting over this mental hurdle. Nikola Jokic, just another monster game that nobody really batted an eye at. And the exhilarating second quarter, how exhausting this game was and the contributions Denver got from Torrey Craig, Malik Beasley, and Monte Morris. I've seen a lot of big-time Nuggets wins and absolute thrillers at Pepsi Center over the last four years. This one was very close to the top. I'd really have to sit down and go through them if you're asking me what was the best, most exciting game I've ever seen. 
There were a lot towards the end of last year that meet that criteria. There's already been some this year that meet this criteria. This win over the Rockets certainly does. The one a couple years ago against the Thunder that Denver actually lost where Russell Westbrook set the record for triple-doubles in a season where he had 50 points, hit the game winner, eliminated Denver from the playoffs in the same night, and the crowd gave him a standing ovation. Yeah, I remember that one. That might have been just the most unbelievable game I've been to at Pepsi Center, but this one is definitely in the argument. Like I said, there's been so many thrillers at Pepsi Center this year. Wins over Portland, the Thunder, you could really name a lot. There's a lot of wins that qualify, but this Rockets game was special. Definitely one that I'll remember for a while. Let's hit a break real quick. I want to get into what I saw in that Minnesota game. I will get to that in a moment here. But first, a quick word from a brand new sponsor on the BSN Nuggets podcast. It's a company called Get Around. And if you guys are ever in need of a car or truck for a few hours or a few days, Get Around has you covered. Get Around is a car sharing app. You can literally unlock cars near you through their app. Better yet, if you have a car that's just sitting around, make some extra money for your next vacation. You can kind of run it out like an Airbnb with Get Around. Get Around's insurance policy and 24 7 customer service has you covered. Find out how much you can earn at getaround.com. And if you go to get.co backslash nuggets, you can save $15 off your first rental. So it's a really cool company. It's pretty much like Airbnb for your car. You can find cars around where you are. You can rent them out. You can also rent your car out if you're going to be out of town for a few days or if you're not going to be using it. So uh, make sure to check those guys out. A really cool company that we're glad to have aboard here on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Moving on to this win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I know I just rattled off a lot of the biggest wins from this season. This one's right up there. And I'll get to the biggest overall takeaways with Michael Malone coaching the All-Star game and whatnot in a second. But Diving into this game real quick, the biggest thing I think I noticed here was the contributions Denver got from a couple guys who hadn't been giving them much lately. And on the second night of a back-to-back, 24 hours after an emotional, really hard-fought win against the Rockets, going against a Minnesota team that's been playing better than you think they have been as of late against the guy in Carl Anthony Towns in an arena where Denver hasn't been able to pull out a win before most notably Game 82 last season, Denver was going to need some contributions from a couple of guys that they hadn't been accustomed to getting a lot of production from. And those two guys were Trey Lyles and Juancho Aaron Gomez. Trey Lyles, who's been battling with his jumper all season long, knocked down three threes, also had six rebounds, shot eight of 13 from the field, a really efficient 19 points, one of the better games I thought he's played this season. I believe it was actually his highest DPR in like three months of BSN Denver's in-house dynamic player rating metric. And you can always check those out on our player grades, which come out after every game. But it was his best game in quite a while, maybe his best game of the year. And then Wancho, Wancho back from the dead, eight points, two or three from three. The last time Wancho hit two or more triples in a game was New Year's Day. So over a month ago, 
he had really been struggling. It looked like he had just run out of gas here. He's been running on E for quite a while, but a rejuvenated launcher in on Gomez in Minnesota. Those contributions were big. Both those guys were in the positives. Wancho was a plus eight. Trey Lyles was a plus four. Wancho played 16 minutes. Trey Lyles gave Denver 20 minutes, which was huge because the Nuggets did not get much from Paul Millsap in this game. I know he had to battle Carl Anthony Towns and match up on him for the 21 minutes he was out there pretty much, but Millsap, no points, 0-2 from the field, didn't really give Denver a ton. So those contributions from Lyles and Wancho were huge, uh, no doubt. Malik Beasley, I thought, played another unbelievable game, 22 points. Will Barton was big in this one, too. Uh, 20 points, he had a lot of big-time buckets for Denver down the stretch. Monte Morris, another unbelievable game from him, 7-13 shooting, 17 points, a team-high plus 15. And then Nikola Jokic, I thought, really dominated this game, even though his shot wasn't going in. He finished with 13 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, his ninth triple-double of the season. But he recognized pretty early that maybe his shot wasn't going to fall this evening. Maybe he wasn't in the type of rhythm he was against Houston. And so he went into kind of facilitator playmaker mode and scored 13 points, still had double digits, but really set everybody up. And that's what I always say about Nikola Jokic. We compare him to Anthony Davis a lot for really good reasons when it comes to subjects like the All-Star game or the All-NBA voting. I think Nikola Jokic could average the 29 points that Anthony Davis averages per game if he really wanted to. He just has realized, and I'm not sure if Davis has realized this yet, but if the goal is to get Ws, if the goal is to rack up wins, it might be best to get your other guys involved too and do what's best for the team, not what's best for your individual scoring numbers. And Jokic has realized that. I'm not sure if Davis has. So he only scores 13 points here, but I really felt like he dominated this game and in the 29 minutes he was out there. There were a lot of plays that stood out from this one. The one that really you're still thinking about, though, is the Jokic Hail Mary 94-foot pass from out of bounds with a minute or so to go with Denver clinging to a one-point lead. I mean, first off, who even tries that pass in that type of situation? It's a pass you whip out and one I think Jokic might whip out in the All-Star game here in a couple weeks. Not one you put on display in a tight game with under a minute to go in the fourth quarter. You got to have some guts uh, to whip out a pass like that. And, of course, Jokic connects with Malik Beasley. A highlight pass, definitely one of Jokic's best passes of the year. That was an awesome moment. But let's go to the post game, And that was really the big story of this one, if we're being quite honest. The Nuggets get the win. They clinch the best record through February 3rd. They're tied with the Warriors right now in the standings, but Denver owns the tiebreaker, which went all the way down to conference record, if you can believe it, just giving them the slight edge in the standings over the Warriors here through games through February 3rd. And Michael Malone and his staff will be coaching Team LeBron in the All-Star game in Charlotte in two weeks. Michael Malone in the span of 10 months goes from having to field questions about his job security, which, from what I've told, he was never really in danger of losing his job after last year. He has to go from fielding questions about his job security at his interview 
the morning after Game 82 in Minnesota last year, and 10 months later, he's coaching Team LeBron in the All-Star game with the Nuggets at the top of the Western Conference through 52 games. I mean, that's unbelievable stuff right there. What an incredible turnaround. And you know there's nobody that deserves this thing more than Michael Malone. And we've talked about it on this podcast so much. The culture he's really created from the ground up here in Denver. The self-motivated work environment that he's fostered and looked over on a day-to-day basis on that Nuggets practice court over the last four years. That should not go by the wayside. It's really impressive the culture that he and, of course, this Nuggets front office has built up here. And for him to reap the reward and for everything to come together in this special season that the Nuggets are having, you've got to feel happy for him. You've got to feel happy for the work he's put in, the scrutiny he's faced from a ton of people, from media, from fans over the last couple of seasons. And to have the Nuggets at the top of the Western Conference at the All-Star break and for him to be on that sideline coaching LeBron James and whoever LeBron decides to draft, maybe that's Jokic, maybe it's not Jokic. That's going to be a cool moment for him and uh, this organization for sure. And I'm sure you've seen the video by now, but the Nuggets douse Malone in the locker room after the game. That was a cool environment for sure. You could tell the Nuggets want to get this win for their coach. And it was funny because I asked a lot of guys after the Rockets game if they were aware that with one more win, they would get Michael Malone into the All-Star game and his staff in that game as a coach. And a lot of them weren't aware, but I got a feeling they got tipped off, of course, prior to this game in Minnesota that if they did get the win, they'd be coaching the All-Star game because it definitely seemed like they were motivated to get this W uh, for their coach. So that was really cool to see. And that scene in the locker room was crazy. Uh, It was crazy. And it's funny because Michael Malone, he stays so locked in and you never see him get too high or too low after a win or a loss. He's never looking ahead. He thinks every game matters the same. And in a sense, he's right. But I did ask him after that Rockets game if he is ever able to just take a step back and just kind of assess what his team has been able to do this season with all the injuries that they've battled through and whatnot. And he had a cool quote. He said during the national anthem before that Rockets game, he did get a moment of peace, a moment to reflect on what they've done. And he said it is really important to put into context what they've been able to do this year and enjoy the victories. And the Nuggets certainly enjoyed this one in Minnesota in a place where they had some demons from game 82 last year. That was a tough loss. Everybody took that hard. Michael Malone took that hard. The players took that hard. But you know now, and we've actually been been saying this for a while on this podcast, but losing game 82 was probably the best thing to happen to this team. Sure, the playoff experience would have been nice, even though I think the Nuggets would have gotten beat in the first round last year. It would have been good to get some playoff experience for these guys. But the motivation, the hunger, the desire to succeed based off of what happened in Game 82 last year and how Denver went into the summer committed and with an attitude that I haven't seen within this organization over the last four years, that's showing this year. And so you look at that game 82 as a real tipping point for this team. And 
it's fueled a lot of what's happened this year. The final point I want to say on this Minnesota game and these last two games here is there's no team in the league that has more fun or is having more fun this season than the Nuggets. And when you win, everything's great. Everybody's in a great mood when you're winning like the Nuggets are this year. Everybody from the players to the coaches, the front office, everybody's happy. And, you know, why shouldn't they be? The Nuggets are 37 and 15 and at the top of the West, and they're in the midst of a really special season. But nobody's having more fun than this Nuggets team right now. And if you watch that video, you hear how the Nuggets break down their little post-game huddle. One, two, three, party time, right? Party time. And what that is, it's a cool story. Devana Kuhn Purcell, who was on this team at the beginning of the season, was on this summer league roster, was with this team through training camp and through the first part of the season, but was really a casualty of the 45-day limit on a two-way contract that he was signed to. There were so many injuries that Denver had to have him active for a ton of those games early in the season and his 45 days ran out really quickly and now he's playing overseas. But he would call a Monte Morris to Mason Plumley alley-oop with that bench unit. That's a play that he labeled party time. And that's what Monte started calling it. That's what Mason Plumley started calling it. That's what the entire bench called it. And now it's bled over into this rallying cry in this motto for this entire Nuggets roster. And I just think it's a little peek into how much fun this team is having this year. We've talked about the chemistry so much, and it's special. This is a special group that's connected, that's one with one another, that plays for one another. you got guys on this roster from Torrey Craig to guys like Jamal Murray who are out right now, but are up at the front of the bench with the coaches, yelling out instructions to his teammates and whatnot. Those guys just are so happy to see everybody else succeed around them. And I think that's a really cool aspect of this team and a huge reason, potentially the leading reason for their success this season. Before I get out of here tonight, quick note about Strava Craft Coffee, an awesome sponsor here at BSN Denver on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. If you've never heard of Strava Craft Coffee, it is a CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. It's taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety and helped people out in a lot of other ways as well. CBD is all natural and it's not psychoactive. The coffee is also really rich and tasty and we cannot recommend it anymore to our listeners. If you want to check out Strava Craft Coffee today, you can receive 20% off your order when you use promo code BSN2010 at checkout and get it shipped straight to your door. So again, go check those guys out at Strava Craft Coffee. Real quick before I go here, look, this team is special in a lot of ways. And I had a feeling this could be a really special year, a turning point in kind of this Nuggets trajectory here. But I don't think anybody saw it happening this quickly. And I mean, we're at the peak right now of where this team has been over the last four years under this current iteration of the Nuggets in the Jokic ball era, I'll call it. This is the peak. We haven't seen this team at a higher level, play at a higher level, find the success, find the league-wide notoriety more than they have right now. 
And it's going to be really cool to have Michael Malone and Nikola Jokic representing this team, this city, this organization, and more importantly, this special season that Denver is having in Charlotte, potentially together on the same team at All-Star Weekend. That's going to be a really cool moment because Jokic obviously deserves it and so does Malone and his staff. And the scary part is they can still climb to an entirely new level. They can still get so much better because the starting lineup still has not played together since game two of the regular season. It's hard to believe. It's crazy to believe that we're at game 52 and the starting lineup hasn't played in the last 50 games. We're not going to get it Monday in Detroit. Gary Harris is out. I would think Jamal Murray is out as well. Who knows if we get it on this road trip? I would be very careful with Gary Harris's injuries and especially with the injury history he's had and all the stuff he's battled through this year. I would maybe give him two weeks off here. Jamal Murray as well. You don't want him to come back until he's 100%. But it's scary just how much higher this team can climb. The chemistry, the camaraderie, how well this team is playing, how well Nikola Jokic is playing with the guys around him right now. If you want this team to trade for Anthony Davis, you're high. How could you want to break up what the Nuggets are doing right now, even if you could still keep this core together and only sell off a piece here, a piece there, and bring in a talent like Anthony Davis? How could you want to do that with how this team is playing right now? Look, I've said this on this podcast before, and this goes back to something I've not only said this year, but going back to last year. I have always felt like the three best players on this team – Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris can be your three best players on a championship team at their peaks. And all those guys are not at their peaks yet, but that's why I've never wanted Denver to move any of those guys because I really do feel deep down, and I've said this many times before, this isn't a new thought by any means, but those three guys can be your three best players on a championship team. You fill around them with the right pieces, a Jared Vanderbilt here, a Michael Porter Jr. there, a Monte Morris here, Malik Beasley there, a Wancho here. You fill around those guys with the right pieces and you can win a title. And I don't think it's going to happen this year. Maybe we can really start talking about something like that next year and down the road. But I would not want to mess up what the Nuggets have going here right now, even for a player as good as Anthony Davis is. So that's the thought I'll leave you with tonight. This has been a special season. It's continuing. We're at the pinnacle, the peak of the Jokic ball era so far. And it's probably going to be a peak that runs at least through All-Star Weekend where the Nuggets should be a whole hell of a lot more represented as the best team in the West to this point at All-Star Weekend than they are right now, even with Nicole Jokic and Michael Malone on staff. Monte Morris should be in the Rising Stars game. They should have a couple of these guys in the Skills Challenge. I mean, for the best team in the West, they should be really represented well at All-Star Weekend, and I have a feeling they will be uh, when all said and done, uh, but it's been a special season, and it's continued here over the last couple games. So Nuggets are on this road trip right now. They'll be in Detroit on Monday. No Gary Harris. Jamal Murray is questionable. We'll see if he plays. I did see him go through his pretty much normal warm-up prior to that Houston game. He looked all right. We'll see if he plays, but definitely no rush in uh, getting him back. And with that, we'll be back with another episode 
on Tuesday. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.